It's Friday, June 28th, 2019, and welcome to episode 225 of Tech Talk for Teachers. I'm Tom Grissom. And I'm Michelle McDaniel. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the show about teaching and learning with technology. And today there's a librarian in the house. Yes, librarians are teachers too. Yes, they are. And we've worked uh, closely with our Booth Library friends over the years, and I've invited Michelle in to talk about a special project we've been working on together, and I'm really excited about taking advantage of the technology, and uh, that's some of the things we'll share in the show today. Yeah, I'm excited to share about kind of my breaking in on uh, using videos to share library resources with students. So this is a great way for anybody that's in a support role, especially like we are here in the ITC. We have all this wonderful technology that we can be taking advantage of and really knocking down the walls of the classroom and expanding. Really, the walls don't exist anymore. Uh, we have these communication technologies, and we've developed a system of video recording using a green screen that I think we kind of have knocked down uh, to some pretty simple steps. It was as easy as opening up the program and start recording. Starting rec to record, exactly. And then whenever you finish, stop recording. And uh, trim off the ends, and there you go. And there we are. And then within a matter of minutes, we would post it to our Microsoft Stream channel. And then uh, edit the transcript and share out to uh, faculty and staff uh, and students through email, D2L, lots mm -hmm. of options for how to share yep. this content. S yeah, so every single faculty, staff, and student can do this today. So if you're interested in learning more, stay tuned to, uh, for the, the rest of the show. And in particular, if you want to set up an appointment here in the ITC, we'd be glad to help you. So here we go. We have a very special guest. We have Michelle McDaniel from Booth Library. She's one of our librarians. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And I've invited Michelle in today. We've been working on a project together, and it's been a lot of fun for me. I don't know how you experienced it, but I think it's been valuable. It's been very valuable, and I've had a lot of fun with it, too. So what we are doing is we're taking advantage of some of the technology that we have available to us here at EIU. And... Michelle's role at Booth Library is kind of helping. If you just want to briefly sure, describe yeah. Your... So I am the education librarian. So I uh, provide course support both in person and online. Um, as you know, our curriculum and instruction masters is entirely online now. And I've been trying to think of ways that I can better reach the students in the online environment. But then I'm also the coordinator of the Ballinger Teacher Center. So I purchase all the education and curriculum and juvenile literature materials for Booth Library. So okay. So we have a lot of commonality in our jobs, teacher education programs here, as well as just kind of a general support role in helping faculty, staff, and students. So if you're like me, we're always trying to reach out and find some of the most effective. And one of the, one of the things that's always challenged me is in kind of one of my philosophies or, you know, in looking at how we design pedagogy around the curriculum is how do we share all this expertise that we have and we accumulate and pass that on so somebody doesn't have to go through all the trials and tribulations that we've gone through. We have that conversation probably every week at the library. You know, how do we share the knowledge that we have to make faculty members' lives easier? Because we know that everybody's pressed for time. Not everybody wants to commit an entire 
class section to coming for an instruction right. session. So how can we make this more available? Right. So we got together and we've had some conversations and because things are going increasingly online and we want to have that 24 7 365 access, that video is a great way to do that. And we've been experimenting really for many years and we've kind of have a process down here that I think makes it somewhat easy to share some of those video resources and incorporate that into the online courses. And in particular, we were working with a faculty member, sorry, got all my notifications going off here. We had a faculty member approach you that was wanting to incorporate some of this. And this one, was this a 100% online course? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that challenge right out there away, but that plays right into the role of video on that 24 seven access that we have. So we've perfected kind of a little uh, mini recording method using a green screen, and it's kind of a style of video where you kind of have the person presenting the content and the desktop sharing is projected behind and using the green screen, you kind of look like a little cutout. Yeah, it was kind of fun to see my little head floating there in the bottom of the screen in front of the library webpage mm -hmm. and as I was giving the tutorial. And, and that's just a small little detail. And, you know, of course, we can just put the square and have the webcam in there, but I think that just adds just a little bit, I don't know, more professionalism maybe? Well, exactly. I, you know, it's funny because after we recorded our first video, I got the same question from several students. So I went back to my office and I recorded another video, which, you know, it was great to have the tech right there to be able to do it. But I felt really funny because I have a Lego set in the background along with my messy shelves. So the green screen, um, you know, being able to do it in mm -hmm. front of the green screen adds just that little mm -hmm. extra touch for sure. And, and from a technology support standpoint, this is this isn't any fancy technology. We were using a document camera for your particular uh, example, mm -hmm. and we are getting document cameras, which really kind of have turned into webcams in all of our classrooms here in the College of Education over the summer. So I'm getting ready. In fact, I just did an unboxing video, my first unboxing video. Oh, that's exciting. I'll share that out there on YouTube. I've always wanted to do one of those. It's just kind of a fun thing. But, kind of, you know, how do we communicate this information to faculty over the summer? There's tons of changes going on. And then, you know, somebody shows up in August and it's like, well, did anything happen over the summer? Well, yeah, we've been a little busy. <laughs> sure. And uh, here, particularly in the College of Education, we're getting a lot of refresh on new equipment, new computers, new projectors, new document cameras in the classrooms. So things are going to be a little bit different. That's awesome. But I want to have those, one, if faculty are here, they know things are going on. So it's mm -hmm. not like a surprise, you know, right. show up that first day. And then secondly, whenever they do show up, that they immediately have those instructional resources. And here's a quick little two, three, four minute video on how to use a document camera. Mm -hmm. You know, watch watch it once and, and then some troubleshooting tips. So one of our professors teaching the online class wanted you to come in and do the research. And in our classrooms, we have the document camera and we're using the free OBS uh, software. So we don't have a huge budget for any of this. Right. I mean, this this is something that any, you know, K-12 or, or university college can do. What do you think was the hardest? I'll just ask that question. What do you think was the hardest part? Getting over the nervousness about being recorded, right. <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I had been, um, from the moment I started, you know, we've been talking in the library about supporting these online classes. And two years ago, several librarians created videos using PowerPoint. And I can't tell you how many times I started writing a script, started taking screenshots, and it just felt 
so clunky and everything had to be scripted and then, you know, the, the time and effort. I mean, I can go on now with this OBS video and create it in five minutes and sure it's not perfectly scripted and I make some mistakes. But then the other thing that's nice about that is that the students see that you're a real person, exactly. you know, and, and they, um, can engage with you. It, it feels more in the moment to have it be you showing them in real time rather than right. something canned. Um, and then the other thing that's great about that is, you know, technology changes so quickly. You are talking about all the new things that are going to be available in the library. You know, we get a new database or we get a new, um, web page. So then, you know, I just spent 20 hours making a video right. <laughs> capturing right. screenshots right. versus being able to just go in quick and re-record right. a five-minute video. Right. There's a lot of flexibility right. with and that. And that, that's a philosophy. That's a mindset. And everybody's going to have to kind of struggle with that themselves. Sure. My philosophy certainly changed over the years. I used to kind of be that write it out, script it, read it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of that stiff type. Very formal. But I have found over the years just – it. One, I guess, because you become more comfortable and it becomes second nature and it's not a quote-unquote production. It's I, I think of it as a face-to-face -face delivery. I think of whenever I look into the camera that my students are behind. And then sometimes I'll record with students as part of the audience and that kind of gives, you know, a different vibe to, to the sure. video. It brings a little bit of energy, I think, yeah. to it. But then the other thing in my experience with the students, I think it makes you more approachable. So if they see you there in Booth Library, it's like, oh, hey, I watched your video and I learned so much on how to do this research or whatever. Definitely. And it establishes those relationships. And then the other thing that I tell our, our pre-service teachers here is, you know, this is available. We have it out there online. You know, we have a YouTube channel here at the ITC. I'll, I'll share in our uh, show notes. And it's available for anyone in the world. Yeah. So uh, back to the green screen. Can mm -hmm. you walk through the process from your eyes, the way that, that you experience from start to finish? You want to come over here. I will just set it up that I have a green screen behind you. I've already taken care of OBS and the camera and you walk in and what happens? So, um, the first thing was we talked about the length of time that you know, these videos should be short. And I had written kind of an outline of what I wanted to cover. I think the hardest part was remembering to, pause at the beginning so that you have that little bit of time that you can trim off. And then, uh, you know, with the green screen, just remembering to look at the camera occasionally, you know, act as though the audience is right there, even though it's a video. And then of course, keeping it to two to five minutes was difficult. I think <laughs> Always... my first recording was about 10 and a half minutes, which, you know, when you're teaching, right. In, you're going for two, but you know, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So then, um, you know, what was good, the reflection piece on that was, okay, where are the logical breaks in this lesson that I could turn this into five mm -hmm. two-minute videos as opposed to one mm -hmm. ten-and-a-half-minute thing? And, and we've not talked about this, but again, in my experience, what I find whenever you work that through in your mind and you've done one and maybe go back and correct it, mm -hmm. you become super focused on what the objective is. Exactly. So you're kind of cutting out, I won't say the fluff, but you are really drilling down and, and focusing on the, the, the meat of the subject, of the content. And I always say like a 10-minute video is easily a half-hour lecture. Exactly. E easily, maybe, maybe more. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, okay, so you hit recording. So basically so you just hit start, right? I hit start and um, started talking. And, you know, I had to do a, a few takes just to kind of get used to the whole um, – I didn't script it. So I kept – 
making mistakes or I would, um, you know, forget to, uh, I don't know, I would forget to um, close the right. the broadcast systems. Uh, and then uh, I used the digital ink too, which oh, was super yes. cool. Yeah. With that Windows 10 machine, um, you're able to capture a screenshot and then draw on the on the page so that you can highlight something, which, you know, is great because then it's not a clunky PowerPoint where you're, right. you know. And that's small, small point, but people that listen to this podcast know I'm a huge digital ink fan, yeah. but you're quote unquote, you know, drawing the, the, the student's attention, no pun intended, yeah. drawing their attention to a particular thing. And like in the lesson that you were teaching, the screen was dense with information and text. It was text-based. Exactly. So it's like, oh, you know, do you just go up here and, you know, in the middle of the screen and you click here, saying that is different than circling that little link. Exactly. Well, and then the flexibility of doing it on a touch screen, I was able to zoom right in, take yeah, that digital zoom. link. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and that's even difficult in the face-to-face classroom, you know, being able to show students mm-hmm. where to click through. Right. Um, so I loved that flexibility as right. I was doing the recording. Right. There's so much overlap between the face-to-face and online. And I'm telling my faculty, even though that we're dealing with these digital things, exactly what you did with that video, you can do. I mean, we use the classroom. That is our classroom. Exactly. So, I mean, you can mm-hmm. be doing that uh, in your in your regular classroom face-to-face presentations as well. So um, the other thing to remember if you're going to use the green screen is don't wear green. Yes. Because you start floating. Um, and so the first day I had worn, there was a little bit of green in my sweater. So I was able to um, fix that for the next time I came mm-hmm. in. And then what's cool is once we were done with the recordings, we were able to grab that file. And then um, Tom helped me get it onto Microsoft Stream, which is part of what we get through our Office right. 365 package. Right. And you can edit the transcript. He he was showing me how you can embed quizzes. So I've been asked by a faculty member to create a library module for a fall course. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a lot of possibilities here. I can have a quick knowledge mm-hmm. check at the end of a video, um, yeah. connect it with uh, the Microsoft Forms, and be able to get that mm-hmm. um yeah, complete that little that. feedback cycle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the the other thing that again for both people here at EIU and for anybody that's using Office 365, Microsoft Stream, whenever you post videos, now automatically provides transcripts. Yeah. Which is huge. But I mean, YouTube does that with closed captions, which is great. But one of the things that's a little bit more advanced is you have an edit button that makes it, and you can edit YouTube's uh, transcripts as well, but I mean, it's so easy to edit in Microsoft. It's super easy. And what's great is it kind of breaks it up in, not second by second, but kind of moment by moment. So you're able to, so you're able to go in and very easily as you're listening to the recording, then correct whatever it might've missed. And I, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the stream does it almost instantaneously as you've uploaded the video. Whereas I think YouTube takes at least a couple days to get that closed captioning in. Usually in stream, it happens under an hour. It just depends on how busy the servers are. But the other advantage to that, uh, again, above and beyond like the closed captions is it's deep searchable. So for, you know, in research or just, I mean, any type of student learning, you know, you're going out there and doing a, a social studies unit on China 
if you type the word China in the Microsoft stream, any video that's uploaded would be transcribed. And anywhere the word China appears in that transcript, a student can click on that link and be taken immediately to like five minutes and 30 seconds into the video when a professor's talking about China. And yeah, the functionality of that is super cool to see. But that's the importance whenever we deliver the instruction. It's a little bit of extra work, but I think it's an extremely critical piece that the professor, the subject matter expert, go out there, listen to their recordings, and make those corrections, spelling mistakes. And it's not perfect. It's about 90% plus accurate on the transcription. But in a technical field like what I deal with, the transcription sometimes nonsensical. And that's the next piece that I need to do is to go back into the short videos that I created and edit those transcripts. But I'm committed to do it because I loved seeing that the way that you can search those videos so that if a student just needs to see how to add something to a folder, they can type into the video folder and see where I start talking about that. And then, you know, that's at their fingertips right away. Now let's, let's talk quickly about the professor's viewpoint. Um, How did you help? We use desire to learn here is our learning management system. So how did you take those videos and incorporate it for the professor? So each video has an embed code. And so what I ended up doing was uh, the I don't know if many of the faculty know this, but you can actually enroll a librarian in your class, and then we have the power to add content. Basically add a module. Yeah, just doing... And then um, I always work with the professor so that I know where they want me to add the content because Mm -hmm. um, some are okay with me messing with all the homepage stuff. Others prefer me to have a library folder that I'm working within. So, you know, I can do as much or as little as they want, but I was able to um, add a... uh, under the content editor, add in a video, and then I grab the embed code. Students do need to authenticate with their Panther Mail login to be able to view it, but um, then it pulls right up and um, it, it adds kind of a security feature right. as opposed to having something publicly available on YouTube, right. which is nice. And then from a student standpoint, so if you're a student, you would go to EIU's homepage, eiu.edu, click on the D2L mm-hmm. link, log in, using EIU login, username and password, and then navigate to whatever course they were taking. Then they would go to the module that mm-hmm. you, you that you had embedded the video in. And whenever they click on it, I believe, since they've already authenticated, whenever they logged in with a single sign-on, that it should take them directly in. It should, I yeah. believe so. Because when I've been logged into email and right. D12, it just and if automatically it, plays. And depending upon which way that you come in, because... The other option is you could just provide a straight URL link to that video, right? like in an email or something. So if you got it in an email, a student would click on it, then it's going to ask you, authenticate, what's your username and password? Are you authorized to watch this video? Which, mm-hmm. as a librarian, you appreciate because of copyright reasons and you know sure. things like that as well. And then the student would be off there. Now, I don't know. This is something new, and I don't know if I shared with you or not. But another new feature is you can embed a Microsoft form within the timeline. Did I share you that with you? You did share that okay. with me. And that's what I'm excited as I'm thinking about uh, making this into more of a module that different professors could add into their course right. if they'd like it, you know, and they don't have to even make it a graded thing. Right. Um, but to make that content available, I'm thinking, oh, well, the right. forms would be a great way to check for, you know, just. Right. If the students understood, um, right, whether know, it would be graded feedback. or not, but I mean, it would mm-hmm. be an auto grade. The computer would grade the quiz right. and provide immediate feedback for the students, so they kind of 
you know, check for understanding. It's like, you know, did I get it or did I not? Yeah. And then, uh, so there's many logistically, there's instructional design. There's, there's many different paths that you could go there because you support hundreds of faculty. Mm-hmm. If you were designing, you know, generally for the EIU population, you know, just kind of do those little checks for understanding. But in addition, then a professor under their own uh, user ID within Office 365 can maybe customize that form a little bit more. Or they would extend it to the particular lesson or the research that they're wanting and, you know, could kind of personalize it a little bit more toward the course or toward the student. So there's all kinds of flexibility with what you can do. So this is all taking advantage of technology that we have, you know, off the shelf, Office 365, available to every single faculty, staff, and student. And I'll, I'll work with you. We'll set up a, I don't know if you want to set up like a Ballinger Teacher Center That's uh, my hope is that, yeah, I'll create a Ballinger Teacher Center channel where all the videos will be readily available. And then we had talked about then each semester as professors are, you know, in their classes that they can have a channel dedicated to that class where these videos can also be uploaded so that they can be customized. So again, strategically, as teachers, we have to think is, okay, what we're serving our audience, how can we best serve? But yet at the same time, we talked a little bit about personalizing. I could go in there and personalize it to a very specific course, but then that's not evergreen content. It's kind of a one and done type thing versus, you know, some of the more general skills. And then that frees you up that with kind of the flip learning type model, it's like, okay, the students have watched this, they understand the basics, the mechanics of it. So now let's come together and let's talk a little bit more about, okay, what does it take to do effective research and go deeper? Exactly. And, you know, this has a lot of potential for the, um, you know, on-campus classes as well, because if a professor assigns these videos to have them watch before, they would then dedicate a class session to them coming into the Absolutely. library, then I would be available to have it be more like a workshop where I right. can help students individually on their own right. topics, which would right. be awesome. Right. And that's so valuable. And I'm always thinking about ways that we can really, that face-to-face time is so critical or so precious, I guess, Yeah. Uh, to really take advantage. And it is for the professors too. So, okay. Anything, last parting thoughts or anything, overall experience? All I would say is um, if you're on the fence about doing these videos, give it a try because, you know, we all have that self-consciousness about our own voice or, you know, what we look like. But when we're face-to-face in the classroom, we're not thinking about that. And really the video um, method of delivery isn't much different. And uh, then it really puts your face out there to your um, students, which especially in these online programs is so important. Well, you know, teaching is about relationships. Exactly. And it it does bring that human point, even though it is kind of through the video TV type mode. But I get students all the time coming up to me, you know, it's like they know you at that point, which to me, that's a very good thing because they're comfortable with you. And, you know, um, you've broken through some of that ice that that's there in, 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 in your courses. Or if you're meeting with 30 of your fellow students in the classroom and thing, I also find that a lot of them are hesitant to you know ask a question in front of their peers so it kind of breaks some of that ice yeah definitely all right well thank you very much thank you my technology pick of the week this week is an app called flipgrid Everybody has Flipgrid fever because this week the International Society for Technology and Education, ISTE, 2019 is going on in Philadelphia and Flipgrid has been filling up the airwaves out in Philadelphia. 
and today is the first day that I actually saw it in action and yeah. I'm I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, I just I just gave Michelle a, a quick little demo and one of the new features that has everybody buzzing with excitement is they're they're introducing what's called Flipgrid AR and the AR stands for augmented reality and you can now scan a, a QR code and the associated Flipgrid video is kind of anchored in reality in in 3d space and as you move your phone it's an app that you download on your phone the video kind of floats around yeah and it moves closer or further away depending on how you're how you're moving your phone it's really interesting so the folks at flipgrid have been busy uh, doing that and it's just you know kind of one of those novelty things but flipgrid is all about student voice and how do we incorporate student voice into the classroom and basically uh, it's as easy as a student uh, going to the app or if they have a, a desktop pc going to the browser and a teacher provides them a code and as long as they have a uh, webcam and a microphone that they give permission to allow access they can go out and these are usually short they're usually like 30 seconds typically I think up to about 90 seconds, but they're just meant to be very short and kind of uh, getting a student's voice out there. And in your in your area, we kind of just kind of brainstorming in the library, right, all kinds of uses. We can share picture books this way and have students do reflections on what they um, the the books that they're reading uh, and be able to share then those those uh, little reviews across the whole class. And then other news, some additional improvements to the Flipgrid app uh, coming later this summer. They didn't give an exact date, but they did announce uh, immersive reader support and transcript support within Flipgrid. So very similar to what we're doing with Microsoft Stream videos and having sure. the auto transcripts. Again, this inclusivity uh, theme that Microsoft is, is developing across their apps. And uh, they, they've let third-party developers, although Flipgrid is a Microsoft product now, but Wakelet is another very popular app out there getting a lot of press at ISTE, and it is also uh, incorporating a share to Microsoft Teams and the Immersive Reader. And then, let's see, uh, doing that and the, the Flipgrid AR and the transcript, uh, it's, it's just another way to be more inclusive and give every student a voice. As a teacher, you have a choice. You can either moderate these, which might be a good idea for some sure. classes. Uh, so you can pre-approve them before they would actually show up. But uh, if you know, once you approve it or if you just let students post, the student can also respond. Again, that's a checkbox. You can let students respond to other students. So mm -hmm. it's, again, this idea of knocking the walls of the classroom down and giving students voices. And uh, we know, you know, pedagogically, that's a good thing out there that the students are reflecting upon the content and, and building new content. Yeah, definitely. So that's my pick, uh, Flipgrid, and I'll provide a link in the show notes. All right. And uh, my pick of the week is the Libby app, which is an app on your phone um, for the My Media Mall content that we offer through yeah, the library. Yeah, I've used my, my Media Mall forever. Yeah, so you can um, look at ebooks and download audiobooks. And the big change that's coming on July 1st is that uh, My Media Mall is changing its name. So uh, mm. that's something to be aware of, that My Media Mall has a lot of name recognition, but it's going to be called Digital Library of Illinois. Wow. Uh, you're Cut off the press. Yeah, exactly. And your your access won't change. You're going to be able to continue to get to the same content that you've had. But you may want to uh, go ahead and change your bookmark because mm. um, the My Media Mall uh bookmarks that you may have on your computer um, are, are not going to work anymore to access that. So the new link is going to be HTTPS 
colon slash slash D-L-I-L dot overdrive dot com. Um, okay, so it's still overdrive. It's still overdrive. And then um, you'll be able to, uh, your any content that you already have in your Libby app, you'll be able to um, move over. Uh, it's going to automatically be okay. updated to that digital I'll, library. I'll provide a link out in the show notes specifically to Booth Libraries things because it's specifically here uh, for this. But in general, this, this affects every library in Illinois, Exactly. Right? So anybody that has access to my medium, all this will be, okay. the name will be changing. Okay. Just audiobooks have changed my life. I mean, I have two small kids at home. I am not really able to sit down and read a book cover <laughs> to cover anymore, but I'm able to listen. So, yeah. you know, that's what's really great. This is a free resource. You know, you can get an audible just subscription for 15 bucks a month but yeah. uh you know the the libby makes this accessible to um to anybody no matter you know yeah you i don't have to worry about cost uh, yeah I, I listen to audiobooks too in the summertime for professional development uh, a lot of kids ball games a lot of road time a lot of windshield time yeah and then you know summertime is just a great time to be out there learning so uh exactly. very timely thank you very much you're That wraps it up for episode 225 of Tech Talk for Teachers. For show notes, please visit the EIU Instructional Technology Center website at eiu.edu itc. Until next time, this is Tom Grissom. And Michelle McDaniel. Keep, Keep on, on learning. learning.